Beast OCR proudly presents BeastNet Podcast, sponsored in part by GH Under's Performance Base Layers and supported by the OCR community. Here we discuss all things OCR related. Welcome to BeastNet. Gray's Harbor Unders makes the performance-based layer clothing you want and need. Whether you work, hunt, hike, fish, run, or ride in the great outdoors. If you work up a sweat, Gray's Harbor Unders are for you because their unique dual-layer fabric removes moisture from your body and keeps your skin dry, even when the outer layer is completely wet. It's a base layer like no other. Get you some at ghunders.com. That's ghunders.com. For the best performance-based layer you'll ever wear. Hey everybody, it's Mike uh, with BeastNet here. I'm with Rachel Loutz. Um, yeah, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, hi, my name's Rachel. Um, I live in Portland, Oregon. Um, I've been obstacle course racing for about two and a half years. Um, got really into it after I graduated college a few years ago. Um, yep, that's really about it. <laughs> so what got you into obstacle course racing? Um, actually, my dad, he found the Seattle Super on Groupon and called me up one day. Um, he actually lives in California and was like, hey, are you free this weekend? Um, cool, you're not, so let's do this. <laughs> nice. All right, Anna, that's a good way to start. Um, yeah. Now, I know, like I, I was telling you before we started recording, is I you're the first person that anyone's actually like requested that I put on BeastNet. Um which is awesome in itself. Um, you did the death race over the weekend. I did. How was that? And for those that don't oh, know, man. you might you might want to explain a little bit of what it is. Yeah, so actually the death race, this is the first year back after, um, I want to say two or three years, some turmoil with Joe DeSena and other founder of death race. Mm-hmm. Um, death race is pretty much like the... St- I mean, stepmom of Spartan racing. Um, it's a step up from a gogi. So if you like, look at the, the Spartan mountain of like the sprint goes into the super, into the beast, and so forth. How that yeah. gogi is really like the the top of the mountain. Well, the gogi is actually um, a prerequisite for the death race. So unless you email them begging to let you in um you have to complete one of four options to even just get entered into the death race wow so yeah i completed uh, a gogi 009 last month and then peak races had a few open spots left for the death race so at like two in the morning i just kind of had a why not moment and entered and got accepted <laughs> that that's probably the best two in the morning why not ever most of my two o'clock in the morning why not end in a lot worse than that so <laughs> honestly it was pretty stupid i think leading up to this past weekend i was just like oh rachel like what the hell <laughs> um but honestly i think being so new to obstacle course racing and to really the endurance side of things is kind of nice because you don't really know what to expect yeah and um, the death race is kind of like that gogi at 60 hours of nonstop movement, um, no sleep, but each year is a different theme and they change it, which I think can work in your favor and not. Um, and this year it was resurrection 26.2. So a lot of our activities were marathon based, 
Yeah. Um, and pretty much it started off with this was the first class to have anything weighted. So it was kind of like a HH or a 12 hour where you have um, 20, 30 pounds on you. But I had 45 pounds on me uh, for what I had to weigh. And that was not including your pack. So I had upwards of 80 to 90 pounds on my back at any given time. Wow. Um, because I actually checked in with a late video. So I had to go find a rock that weighed about 15 pounds to add on to my bag uh, before we even started. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but I guess I won't bring you through everything because it's a long event. But we crawled under barbed wire um, on a quarter mile track for 12 hours. Um, so my knees are pretty chopped up today. I'm oh, struggling to walk. <laughs> now, I know on the barbed wire, that wasn't the everybody, was it? Uh, yes, it was. It was everybody got did the barbed wire? Yeah, so the only thing about that is why it was kind of split is uh, Joe Jacena was doing a Guinness World Record attempt. Yeah. And um, the last one, I think it was under 10K, so a little under 7 miles in 12 hours. And we had to beat that, and we did. Um, Eric from Canada, I think he did about seven and a half, almost eight miles under barbed wire. Um, so we had it split out into 10 people who would attempt the Guinness World Record, and then everyone else who would just kind of continue on their merry way. Um, yeah. I think I got about 10 laps in there, so I was almost at three miles. Um and this was on your hands and knees. You weren't allowed to roll. You weren't allowed to, like, slide on your butt at all. Um, and given most of us didn't have knee pads, I didn't. I taped uh, socks to my knees. <laughs> that's that's good. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we did 3,000 burpees um, overnight and moved rocks that weighed about 4,000 pounds. Um Played in the water a little bit. Everyone knows if you do an agogi, there's a pond that you have to sit in at some point. Um, We had to throw our sandbags in there and then fully submerge our body for about 20 seconds in there um, as a group and then pull our sandbags out and go on our way. Um, Yeah, it was interesting. I think death race and agogi, it's interesting seeing big burly men being taken out by small little things um whether that be their own mind or um just i don't know i think the great side of endurance is everyone pretty much has a level playing field regardless of your size your gender or your own abilities coming in um yeah i think that's really the difference between a traditional race and endurance side I would agree with that. On most of the ones that I've done, it is. It's it's a level playing field. It's pretty much you have to, it's mental. You All have right. to decide you want to do it. And there's a lot of people that will be taken out by something completely simple because they decide they can't. Right. Well, and that's what I was scared about coming in. Um, I got my acceptance email, I think, on the 27th of July or June. Um so I had really about a week and a half, and I was thinking I had come off of um, a really bad IT band tear this year in both my legs, and I was thinking, like, oh, God, Rachel, like, you're going up and down these mountains again. Like, what did you get yourself into? And 
looking at everyone who had been um, training and rocking and doing crazy wild things that if your mind isn't right, then you have to make up for it in every physical aspect. But if your mind is right, then you could probably kind of slack off a little bit on the physical side because I know that no one no one goes out there and crawls three miles in their free time. But if you have the mental grit to say, you know what, this lap, one lap at a time, or you have one hour to do this, not, oh, I have 12 hours left, but if yeah. you look at the positive rather than the negative... Oh yeah. And that's definitely true. I mean, I've, I'm a bigger guy, so it takes me a little longer to do races. So just about every race is an endurance event for me, but I, (laughs) and it it does come down to mental. I mean, the longest I've been on a course was 13 and a half hours because we had two teammates that got hurt and we weren't going to leave. So we just kept going and it's by the end of it, it wasn't physical anything anymore. It was complete mental. You know, right. deciding to take that next step. And I mean, I couldn't imagine 60 hours of constant going. That would be, yeah, yeah that'd be well, crazy. After a while, you don't even look at it as 60. It's kind of just like get through this one event or this one task. And then for us, the one task would be 12 hours. So then you knew you just had to get through the night. And then you knew the sun came up roughly at five. So that was probably another six hours added on to that. Um, but it's really the people you surround yourself with. Um, I found that out during that Gogi. Um, there were a few times where I would be walking by myself in the dark and I would be falling asleep. That even if you just talk to someone else about anything, really, if, like what you're wearing or what you're eating, um, if you just have the other person with you, you'll get through it. Yeah. Because the first thing of I can't or I won't or really I just don't want to um, – I mean, don't sign up for these events if you don't want to be uncomfortable because that's what they want to make you. Um, But at the same time, that's why we all do these events is to make ourselves better and to get uncomfortable and to really just learn about ourselves because you're never going to learn about yourself sitting at work and um, doing comfortable things in your daily life. That's so true. I mean, that's one thing. I've definitely learned doing these. So you, you find out who you really are and you find out a lot about yourself and what you can do. Okay. There's a lot of things that years ago I would have told myself there's no way I could do this. And I've done them all. So right. it's, yeah. So what, what did you take? What, what would you tell somebody if they were going to sign up for this? Um, one, I would say to get Nagogi under your belt, um, which is one of the prerequisites. Um, mm-hmm. You can beg your way in, but I would just say that Gogi in Vermont, regardless if it's summer or winter, um, getting the terrain knowledge of the area is super helpful. I mean, I was just in the same place about a month ago, and it was nice to know kind of what you were doing. If they're going to say, hey, let's go up to Shrex, okay, I know that I'm probably hiking a mile up straight, whereas if it was a new person coming in, you don't really know what's ahead of you, so everything seems difficult, Yeah. where if you do an agogi, like, that's really why they want you out there, um, is to kind of practice, and um, that way you're not going in completely blind. Um, another thing I would say is really um, pack light. <laughs> I think I used maybe like one-sixth of the gear list that I brought. Yeah. Um, and take care of your feet, really. Your feet, your body, um, that's what gets you through the event. Because when 
I did the gogi. Most of us ended up with touch foot at the end. And I remember even just walking on flat ground. It felt like torture. Yeah. But if you take care of your body, like physical aspects of shoes and right pants, right shirt, um, it'll get you there. It'll get you to the end. Yeah, and that's one of the things I've mentioned many times on the, the podcast is the, the right shoes, the right the right gear is huge. Um, yeah. You know, I used to do half marathons all the time, and I almost quit because I used to get so much pain in my legs. And then I went and got the right shoes, and all of a sudden it was like, oh, hey, pain's gone. You know, and that's totally. – it's all about the right gear. I mean, it's, it's amazing what a good pair of shoes and, you know, the right – even pants – you know, to prevent, you know, chafing or anything like that. I mean, how much, so much different you can feel after a race if you have the right gear. Right. And also know what works for you. Um, I feel like I, a lot of skepticism around the endurance side is, it's not very uh, black and white. It's kind of trial and error. And I think that's one of the scariest parts. Um but honestly, I just have a huge tub of gear now that's like, oh, it's going to be winter. I need to do this. Or, oh, it's summer. Oh, we're going to be doing something crawling. Obviously, I need to get knee pads. Um, but find what works for you and get a lot of it. <laughs> I, I agree with that. I have enough I have enough gear now that I could do three races in a weekend without, oh, totally. doing, <laughs> without doing laundry. The only thing I would, the only thing that I don't have multiple of is shoes. Yeah, you know, I'd have to Those wear the same. Die. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to wear the same shoes up for all three races, which I'm fine with. I mean, but everything else, you know, I mean, I have enough. I mean, shirts, pants, shorts, everything. I can do three races without doing laundry. Right. Well, and another thing too is, um, especially for this, gear is expensive. But hmm. I mean, everyone listening to this is probably a part of Beast OCR. Just ask around, make friends, learn to borrow borrow gear. Um, learn about like REI Garage. I became a member this year and that saved my butt on a lot of expenses, that's for sure. Um, I mean, we've all been there. We've all had hard times of, oh, I need this and oh God, this is on the gear list and I don't have enough money. Like, we've all been there. But yeah. I don't think there's any shame in asking or borrowing or anything like that. No, and I've seen it before on some of the, the hurricane heats because, um, the 12 hours and stuff like that, a lot of times those gear lists come out yeah. four or five days before the event and all of a sudden there's some random thing that you're like, oh, where do I get that? Or, you know, and one of us have it. Yeah. I know when I, the last hurricane heat I did, there was a, it was a three gallon bucket. I don't even think I've seen one. <laughs> exactly. And it took like all of us and we're all messaging each other on Facebook going, where the heck do you get a three gallon? And it took us forever. We found they're like painters buckets, mm. and we finally found them. But it was like you know, so we're messaging everyone. Hey, I just I just found some at Lowe's. I'm gonna grab five. Who needs some? You know, and I mean that's what's really good about you know the beast is I mean that just kind of that camaraderie of hey, I know this is hard to find. If I find a bunch of them, I'm gonna buy them. And who needs them? You know, right? Yeah, that was a fun. That was yeah, that was two years ago. I haven't done a hurricane <laughs> in a while. That was the, the we, oh, sorry. I was say that was the hill we did the uh, in Seattle, which they don't even use the hill anymore. But it was the hill that got closed down because too many people were getting hurt trying to climb it. Oh wow! And we actually, oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. We did a uh, in the hurricane heat. We all filled those buckets that we brought with rocks, and then we walked around for most of the night, you know, with those buckets 
full of rocks. And then at the end, we did a, uh, a bucket brigade all the way up that hill, passing the buckets up and then dumping them into the spots that needed to be filled. It was, oh, yeah. yeah. I think someone fell off that year. Yeah. And that's why they closed it. And they, I don't think they've, they've never used the hill again. But yeah, it was. Yeah, it was my first race. I remember that. I was like, oh my God, what did I get into? <laughs> yeah. You know, Jeez. it's like they always say at the beginning, you signed a waiver. You know. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> it, it's a blast. I mean, is how many races have you done now? I know you said you've done, what, two years now? Um, yeah, honestly, not that many. Uh, my first year, I only did three. Last year, I did nine nice. um this year i've only done three <laughs> and one of those being a death race yeah one of the big ones <laughs> yeah. and i mean just so people know too there was what 63 people who started yeah so 300 signed up signed the waiver um paid the five dollars <laughs> and 80 started and um i want to say we moved out from the checkpoint with about 65. Wow. So truly started with 65 and then 12 finished. And you're one of those 12. Correct. See, and that's a huge accomplishment. So, I mean, that kind of, I think, puts it in perspective more for some people. I mean, you talk about how hard it is, but then you're like, okay, these are all the people who started. Uh These are all the people that, you know, got the, the coveted skull at the end. I mean, it's... Right. You know. I think it was interesting too. I remember signing up and hearing um, just these like big names coming in. I was like, "Oh dang! Like so and so is joining, and so and so is going to be there. Like this is going to be a tough race." And then having them knock out in the first twenty four, forty eight hours, and I'm still in it, and I'm well, no one, twenty four year old from Portland. <laughs> um, I was just. Man, like, the mind, the mind really messes with you. Um, obviously, pre-existing injuries are a huge factor yeah. um, in, long, in long events like these. But, um, yeah, really, everyone, it's an even playing field. It is. And, I mean, you know, like you said earlier, it's a mental thing. And it's a lot of those big names, I'm sure, are people that do great on sprints, supers, beasts, mm-hmm. which are hard in themselves, but... They're out there. I mean, uh, an elite racer is maybe out on a beast for, what, three hours? Yeah, maybe. If that. So that's all they, they have to train for. They have to be good for three hours. Right. You know, now all of a sudden it's like, okay, you've got to keep up that level for 60. Right. Well, and, and most people, I mean, up until last month, I I never stayed up more than, I want to say, like 30 hours. Yeah. So I didn't even know what to make of that, let alone be doing physical activity that... Not so much this race, because when we were doing the burpees, we got, like, two, three-minute naps here and there. Mm-hmm. More so just me falling asleep on the ground somewhere. Um, but sleep deprivation, man, that's crazy. It felt like I was on some kind of drug. <laughs> oh, I bet. I mean, which it has to make things so much more difficult. I mean, you know, that's... The more I think yeah. about, like, you know, when you're talking about this, it's like, I didn't even think about the sleep deprivation part. Not only are you doing all these heavy activities for 60 hours straight and your body's like, I hate you, but mm-hmm. you're not sleeping either. Right. So, and yeah. I remember the second night, I forgot what we were doing during the yogi, but, oh, we were, it was the knot test. So you have to know and master four knots um, and display that to Mark Peterson. Um and if you don't, you're, you're gone. 
So to be out there and to register what he's asking, let alone register the not that he's specifically asking, oh man, (laughs) just simple things like putting one foot in front of the other just became such a huge task. Um, Staying awake at night, I mean, you're out there in the dark, but if you sit down or even just stand, you're out. Like, I fell asleep just walking, standing. And everyone laughs and jokes kind of hearing that. But until you're out there and falling asleep while walking, you always, you don't think it's an option, but it totally is. (laughs) Yeah, you wouldn't think it is, but I mean, it's, I I just couldn't imagine that. I mean, being up that long. um, Yeah. Being up that long and just going and going and, I mean... A lot of the, the tasks they're asking you to do. I mean, because what when you guys did the twelve hours of uh, the barbed wire, that wasn't the beginning. That was in the middle somewhere, wasn't it? Right. That was so. We started Wednesday night at ten p.m. and the barbed wire was Friday day. So you're already what twenty four, thirty something hours. Yeah, we're like I want to say forty eight almost. Yeah. So basically, yeah. you've been awake for two days straight. And now you get a crawl. So, I mean, that, that even the guy that set the record, that even makes that so much more like, not only did he, it's not like he woke up and said, okay, cool. I'm going to go crawl through barbed wire for 10 kilometers. He just had been up for two days and now he's going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. And that's luck of the draw too. He had knee pads. So that helped out. Um, and he just, he was a beast. He had so much fire inside him that I was like, you go, man. <laughs> oh, cheer you on. I don't think I can do that, but keep going. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but you know, I mean, you still, for 12 hours, you crawled underneath barbed wire. Right. I, I hate a barbed wire crawl that's more than like 50 feet. <laughs> Well, and if you go on the Spartan Endurance page, I think it's on there. It's a true, it looks like a track with barbed wire. Yeah. And Joe DeSena's lawn. Yeah, I looked, I looked it up and I saw him like, that's just nuts. <laughs> yeah. Looking at it, we, we all thought it was a joke, but we knew deep down we had to crawl in there. <laughs> Yikes. I've done enough Spartan races that there has been times that I've seen something. I'm like, they've got to be kidding. And then you're like, yeah, nope, you got to do that. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, that's crazy. I mean, I, it's one of those things I don't, I, I think with the right training, I could do something like that, but I know phys- the, where I'm at now physically, I could not do it. Well, and again, it goes to the whole mind thing, mind over matter. Um, that's another thing too about the death races. We, we had, I don't know if you've seen pictures of people with these like cards kind of attached to their bits. Mm-hmm. Um, we, if we stopped at all during the barbed wire, um, we had to go get a, a card which said apparently I wasn't ready on it and zip tie it to our bib. Um, and if you got four, you had to, and say someone else said, hey, get a fifth one or hey, get another one. You had to go ask someone else for theirs and then do a hundred burpees together and then you would be connected to each other. So if that person got out, you were out. And if you were out, they were out type of thing. Um, so again, very, very interesting task, but, um, it was totally mind over matter of like, Oh God, if I stop, I'm going to get a card and then I might be out. And it was just these little choices that you make along the way. And 
it's interesting how squished into 60 hours really endurance events are just kind of like a highlight of your life like small choices over time in your life create your life and who you are um but in endurance events i think they're so expedited and then you're under stress and you're tired but it's interesting yeah yeah it definitely sounds like it i mean cause it's kind of you know, I, I, I don't know, I guess I kind of compare it to a race where you're in a race and you have to make decisions on, you know, right. whether you're going to push to get through this obstacle or you're going to do the burpees or, you know, whatever. Right. And I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, it, it's all choices. Right. That's, that's crazy. I mean, I, I'm stubborn and I'm one of those, I won't quit until they threw me off the course, but <laughs> I mean, it yeah. just physically, I know. Yeah, it would be interesting for me. I mean, I've only DNF'd, of course, once. And that was literally, they pulled me off and said, you're done. And that was because I did Hawaii in 2016. And my left foot was broken and I had a boot on it. That makes sense. (laughs) And I couldn't move fast enough. I'd gotten, I was already halfway through the beast. But I hit a cutoff and I missed the time by like 40 seconds. And they're like, you're done. And I'm like, no way, man. Come on, just let me go. And there was about eight or nine of us that all hit it at the same time. And it was Norm at that time. And Norm's like, you know, if it was just the two of you, me and my one friend, he's like, I'd let you guys go for it. But these guys are tore up. And I'm looking, going, I was tore up when I started. Right. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. But I came back the next day and did the, the super. But it was, it was hard for me to have someone finally, you know, to really to deal with the fact that I wasn't going to be able to finish that race that I started. And I'm, like I said, I, I hate quitting, you know, and that's, I've thought about, you know, I wouldn't mind doing a nego gear or something like that eventually, but I want to get my, my, my mind and body right before I do it. So on, uh, pre-existing injuries are huge too. Those come out. I can't tell you like how many ACL injuries this past weekend and how many like meniscus tears, um, I've been told along the journey of endurance racing that one race isn't worth your entire lifetime of being athletic and your just mobility as a human, um, that I don't want to run into that questioning yet. Like, I don't want that to be like this or that. Um, but I have to say like one race is never, never worth it. So if you have a pre-existing injury or something or a questioning, some body yeah. part, just sit out the race. There's always next year. I agree. Um, now, now that I'm older and not, yeah. But <laughs> when I did the one, and the one thing is, like, when I did the, the race in the boot, and I've said this before on the podcast, I had doctor's approval. Right. The doctor said I was fine to do it as long as I didn't do anything to land on that foot. Right. If I did anything where I was, you know, up in the air or jumped or whatever, I had to make sure I landed on my right foot, not the left. He's like, that's the only thing I'm going to tell you. And I'm like, okay. So, I mean, I had doctor approval, but I have had situations where I've chosen to keep going and hurt my chances for, for later races. You know, years ago I did a half marathon and I blew my knee halfway through, but I finished. Yeah. And my doctor even looked at me. He's like, you're an idiot. (laughs) He's like, if you would have stopped when your knee popped, you probably would have had a couple months of therapy, you know, a brace and you would have been fine. He's like, but now you're looking at a year and a half to two years of therapy to try and get that knee back because you spent so, you know, you did six and a half miles on a knee that was blown. What do you, you know, what did you expect? 
And I'm like, well, I wanted the, it was a really cool metal, but you know, yeah. Well, that's what I've been dealing with this year too. Um, IT band syndrome, most of us have it, um, at some point in our racing career, but I'd never had an injury ever. And yeah. I've been playing sports pretty much as long as I could walk, um, that I amped up my mileage over the off season. And I remember I bought and the late season pass this year, I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do everything. I'm going to do it great. And then two days later, I go out for a run and I can't walk. Um, it was just like, what the hell is wrong with me? Luckily, Bob Cook, he's also a beast, um, who ended up being my PT this year. Um, I, I walked away from every single race from January up until the Montana Beast in May. Um, I walked away from two 12 hours, um, a lot of sprints, a few supers, um, two half marathons. Um, but I remember it stuck in my head from him was, um, you have to emotionally remove yourself from your injury. You have to look at it as if it's not part of your body, as if you're just looking at someone else's injury. And I think that's the hardest for any athlete is you're so invested in yourself that you're invested in your sport. Yeah. Um, and I think once getting over that, um, now <laughs> I don't know if I'm as able as I think I am sometimes, but definitely, I mean, I can run, I can walk now. Um, cause I got as bad as I was only able to swim. I can, I still haven't lifted any weights on my legs this year. Yeah. Um, haven't done any lower body work. Um, still running on a treadmill on an incline to kind of rest the IT band every now and then. But yeah, injuries are, again, more mentally debilitating in my opinion than physically. Oh, I agree. I mean, I've been dealing with, you know, like I said, that foot injury in 2016, I still can't run right. Right. You know, two years later that I'm trying to get that foot to work the way it used to, and they keep telling me it's never going to be right, never be completely right. So I've got to learn how to deal with it. But, you know, I got injured. I made the poor choice of not continuing to, oh, well, I, my foot's injured. I can't run. So I guess I should sit on the couch and eat potato chips. So I gained weight because I made the wrong decisions. But now it's the, the fight of that, trying to get the weight off while dealing with the fact that my foot's not right and I'm getting back issues because I can't, my stride isn't correct. And it just, you know, injuries throw you off. I mean, the second you have some injured, you start favoring it and all of a sudden you're running different. Now your back hurts because your knees broke or your, your foot's messed up, you know, and it's, it, it takes a lot out of you. Well, and it's now knowing that you're not invincible. I think the first injury is the hardest of like, Oh, I really am human. <laughs> yeah. See, I'm old. I've had so many injuries now that it's, yeah. I mean, I have two bad knees. My shoulders will dislocate when they feel like it. I mean, I, yeah, I'm old, so my body's falling apart at this point. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I just, no, I don't want to get there. <laughs> no, you don't. And part of that too is bad decisions when I was younger. I mean, you know, I blew my, my I blew my knee the first time in junior high. Oh wow! You know, I was playing baseball and there was a gopher hole and I put my foot in it while I was chasing after a fly ball. Right. You know, and just tore my left knee up. Then years later, work, I was 20 and dropped a pallet on my right knee. And so both my knees are trashed, you know, and they've had multiple injuries. And once you do it once, they're weak. They do it again. You know, I've dislocated both shoulders at different points. So, I mean, it's, I've ridden my body hard and put it away wet. I mean, I've really done some damage, but 
I never let him heal was my biggest thing. I was so competitive and athletic that when something hurt, I was like, you know, looking at the dot going, can I go back? Can I go back? Can I play again? Can I do this again? And they're like, no. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to go do it then. Right. <laughs> and, you know, it's like my knee brace. When I blew my knee the first time, I was supposed to wear a knee brace for six months. I think I wore it for three weeks. Wow. And I was back out, you know, trying to play baseball again and do all that stuff and kept re-injuring it. And my doctor's like, you, you've got to take a rest. And well, I think that's truly what sets – I mean, we're not like elite, all of us, like yeah. elite athletes out there. But I think that's just what sets athletes apart from the general population of like we're willing to just burn ourselves out in order to do the thing that we love. Yeah. And that was me. I mean, I just, but I'm paying for it now. Years later, my knees are so trashed because I never let them heal from the earlier injuries, you know? And it was the same thing with like my shoulders, you know, when I dislocated them, I just kind of, okay, cool. Pop them back in and let's go. And so many times doing that now it's, you know, they're, you know, I did it at the Montana beast. I was doing the, the rings. And the second I put all my weight on my left shoulder, I popped it out. You know, and basically just kind of kept going, finished the race, popped it back into place and, you know, waited a couple of days for it to stop hurting. And it's like, I keep doing this to myself by my own choice, but, <laughs> but I've done it for so long that there's no, that's just the way my shoulders are now. You know, yeah, I mean, you can't I, fix them. not really. I mean, they can do surgery to try and, but they're not, nothing's torn. It's all just, they've been pulled out so many times that the, the ligaments and everything are, are stretched. So, you know, it's just, it's the things we do to ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, uh, what are what are your plans co- going forward? Um, I was actually supposed to do the 12 hour in Utah next weekend. <laughs> there you go. So I think I'm going to see how well my knees will scab up and heal this weekend, which is probably very doubtful that I'll be out there. Um, if anything, I think I'll just defer that and do the super on Saturday, because I could just walk that. It's not that as well. Um, and then, well, next month is already August, so I'll definitely be at the Washougal race oh, yeah. with everyone and the hurricane heat. Um, yeah, then the, the end of August, actually, I'm doing Head to Coast in Oregon um, for the first time, so that'll be fun. That's supposed to be a fun one. I've heard that's a good one. Yeah, um, again, everyone's talking about, like, oh my god, it's overnight and like you have to sleep on the go and you have to sleep in an uncomfortable position and I'm like honestly you could leave me on the ground anywhere and like pick poo and I could sleep <laughs> yeah I would say after what you just did I don't think you could have much problems with the yeah falling asleep wherever yeah I was like put a like I don't know beanie over my head and over my eyes and I'll be out in no time <laughs> yeah jeez talk about pushing yourself so yeah, I'll definitely I'll be at Washougal. Awesome. Because I'm gonna do Washougal and then I leave for Hawaii. I think the next week. Yeah, and that's the weekend. I was kind of bummed this year. I wanted to do Hood to Coast, but I also wanted to do Hawaii, and they're the same weekend. Yeah, Hawaii is a blast. I've this will be my third year in a row because I have yet to finish all three races in a weekend. Yeah, I haven't done a trifecta weekend yet. I I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> You could do it. If you did, yeah, you could do it. It's just more of like, I, I don't know, I find regular races kind of boring now, if that's 
That's right to say on the podcast. <laughs> no, I, I mean, everyone's got their own thing. Because, I mean, that's like the one thing, like I said, I haven't done a hurricane heat or anything like that in two years because they were never really my thing. I enjoy the races. But, right. you know, so, I mean, everyone's got their own little thing that they like. So, right. no, I mean, it's it's interesting. Hawaii is a gorgeous place to do it. It's a lot like, I explained, it's a lot like Montana, which mm-hmm. people are surprised that Hawaii is that hilly, but it is. Yeah, it's, it's actually, because it's on Oahu, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was just there for New Year's, and, um, oh man, some of those hikes, I was like, I thought I was in good shape. <laughs> yeah, Hawaii is a lot of hills, and it's brutal, and yeah. the first year I did it with the boot on, it, <laughs> it started pouring rain, Oh wow! and all those hills that you're going up and down turned into pure mud. And that's why we couldn't make the, we missed the time cut was trying to get through those. You literally had to pull yourself with your arms up each hill because you could not, there was no, even like people that had like the Solomons and Innovates and everything else, no one could get traction on these hills because it was just pure, thick, nasty mud after the rain. And you're pulling yourself up by, you know, by your arms and, oh, it was one of the most brutal races I've ever done. Right. You know. Wow. But then... Oh, it's gonna then you come around a corner like Montana and all of a sudden there's this gorgeous view and you're like, I'm pretty sure I just died and I'm in heaven now. So <laughs> I know I was doing burpees at the spear throw and I was like, this isn't that bad. I could get used to this view. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I mean, that that's like Hawaii is it's the same way. You'll come around a corner and you think you're about to die. And then all of a sudden it's just this gorgeous view of the ocean, the beaches. And you're like, I could die right here. Yeah, I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's, um, my new plan for next year is trying out different venues, um, just keeping it interesting. Because I've actually, I will miss both Seattle races this year, um, oh. and I'm I'm okay with that. In the beginning, I kind of had the FOMO, um, missing out on seeing everyone in like the home turf, but um, swapping it out for Utah and potentially Dallas um, and some Nevada races definitely keeps it interesting. Yeah, see, that's what, that's what I want to do. I want to, next year is going to be, this probably my last year doing Hawaii. And next year, I want to venture out and go to other places. Because right. uh, I've done Hawaii the last three years. I've done Seattle, Montana for the last four. Um, I go to Vegas every year and do the Vegas Zona race. Uh-huh. But that's really it. I kind of have my races that I do every year. And next year, I'm looking at, I want to hit some East Coast. Uh, we're thinking maybe Florida. There's a couple races yeah. in Florida that we might want to go do. Maybe hit, you know, some of the, the East Coast races and get out of get out of my comfort zone. You know, I right. know I know all the races over here. I know the tracks. I know where they're at. And even though they change them a little bit each year, they're still pretty much, you, you kind of know what to expect. Yeah, you generally know, like, oh, the tires going to be over here. And yeah. the market's probably going to be here. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and it was like Vegas. I mean, Vegas this year, Steve Hammond did throw a nice little wrench in that one when he flipped the course around right. and did it backwards. Because every year there's been a river walk where you do like a quarter mile downstream. Well, this year he flipped the course and went backwards. So, so you ended up upstream. It was upstream. And that was one of the most insane leg workouts I've ever done. Yeah, I, water. It made me want to find a stream up here that I could just walk up every day just to like work on those muscles. Cause I mean, about halfway through it, my legs are on fire and I'm like, well, this sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, 
that's one nice thing too about doing all these East Coast races is actually um, a lot of the people from Agogi, I think there were two of us from the West Coast, is now I kind of have an East Coast family to crash at. That's good. Um, and because before it was like, oh God, I'm going to have to find all these like places to stay. I don't know which one is better than the other. So it's kind of having like a little spy on the East Coast of like pick this one over this one and like. Obviously, some are harder than the others, but it's it's nice how big this community is, yeah. considering I used to just travel with my dad doing it two years ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's amazing how big the, the OCR community is, not just like the Beast. I mean, the Beast is huge on this side, but partly for me, I think, because I'm part of the Spartan street team. So right. I meet street team people all the time. So right. I have street team members that I'm friends with, like all over the, the United States. So that kind of helps me a little bit. But I mean, just most, you can go on any one of the Spartan pages and find somebody that'll help you. Right. You know, I think there's a Northeast Spartans or something. I can't remember. Oh, I can't remember who they are, but there's one over in the North, you know, New England area. I think that has, you know, a great group of Spartans that we've talked to before. And I mean, it's, there, there's Spartans is a fun community. I mean, they're a community that helps each other most of the time. You get the occasional. Even if you see someone like on the street with a shirt, you kind of have like a general understanding of like you've been through some stuff. Like even if it's just a sprint, like you've tried, you've towed the line, you've done something and you've made yourself a better person or at least learned that you didn't like it. (laughs) Yep. And and I've seen that. I've seen there's been people. I know a few people that were like, well, I'll try it. And they go out and do it. And they're like, screw you. I ain't ever doing this again. Yeah, I've had plenty of those being like, why do you do this? Yeah, and, <laughs> and then I've had other people that are like, yeah, fine, I'll do it if you'll shut up. And then they go out yeah. and do it with me, and then they're like, okay, when's the next one? <laughs> I know, it's kind of addicting. It is. Because, I mean, I, I've said it before, is I did, my first race ever was, my first Spartan anyway, was the Montana Beast. In oh, wow. 2000, the yeah, in 2015, <laughs> the Founders Race. So my first medal is, isn't even a real beast medal. It's got like weird little spikes coming off it. Cause it was a founder's race, but, uh, it was, I think when I saw mile marker 17, I wanted to punch somebody, but <laughs> that one was 17. I think it, I think the final was like 18 or 19. It was, it was brutal. Uh, yeah, it was brutal. And it was the first one I ever did. I, I remember looking at my wife when I finished and I'm like, this is stupid. I never want to do this again. Maybe yeah. most. <laughs> so yeah, and I mean those Montana hills, and just it was my first one, and I'm just like this is stupid. I don't know. I don't know if I want to do this again. But I'd volunteered, so I had two free races. Then you have to do it. And I'm like, you know, I might as well use these two free races after like. And it was that first initial like, I got my medal. I'm done. This is stupid. I don't want to do it again. And like an hour later, I'm like, where's the next close one? You know, <laughs> looking it up on the internet. And I've heard yeah. so many people say they did that. Like that first race, you get done and you're just like, oh my God, that was stupid. What was I thinking? And then like after a little while that like adrenaline kicks in of, hey, look what I just did. And you're like, I want to do it again. Yeah. I think the biggest thing too, at least for me, I didn't look up any obstacles. So I, I just thought of like a fun mud run. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I got some of the obstacles. I think... I don't know what was popular in 2016. That was difficult for me. Oh, I guess just a general one or rope climb. I yeah. mean, I never climbed a rope in my life. I was just like looking at my dad like, what the hell do I do with this? Like, <laughs> how do you get up this thing? <laughs> yeah. And that was kind of me. I, I started off, I did, uh, 
I did the Gladiator Rock and Run in Seattle like 2010, I think. And then I didn't do any more for years. Uh-huh. And then I had a friend who was into them and we did the Hell Run, which is no longer, doesn't exist anymore. Uh, Survivor, Mud Factor, a bunch of the little 5K ones. And I was like, this is fun. This is great. And I had done a couple half marathons and that's when I was like, oh, well, I can do, I can do the Spartan. It's just, you know, a little mud run with a, you know, a little bit of distance. It'll be fine. Yeah. yeah no, I was so wrong. That's like bad research. If I, but that's, I think if I'd researched it, I don't think I would have done it. Yeah, I agree. I don't think I would have done the super. <laughs> yeah. I think if I'd done my research and been like, yeah, this is stupid. I ain't doing this, but I didn't do any research and I had a free race and that's how I ended up going to Montana as I was looking for the closest one. And I'm like, Oh, we need a weekend away anyway. Let's do this. And it was just, I did no research. I'm like, Oh, there's one in Montana. Let's go there. Yeah. I didn't look at the color or anything. <laughs> no, I had no idea. I, I didn't even know there was a difference. Right. I didn't know there was three different types of races. I just saw a race in Montana and said there was one on Saturday and one on Sunday. One was green. One was red. I had no idea what the difference was. I figured yeah, let's do Let's do Saturday. We can drive home Sunday. <laughs> and then I got there and everyone explained what they are. And I'm like, oh, well, too late now. <laughs> well, I think, too, on the flip side of this year, I've been fairly loyal to Spartan Racing, especially last year. That It's a great company. I love it. It's awesome. It's done a lot for me. But I think next year I'll definitely venture out um, to see what else is out there. I mean, no harm in that. No. You still there? Did I lose you? Okay. Yeah, no, there's no harm in, in venturing out. I mean, I've done, I just did terrain race over the weekend, which was a blast. Um, you know, it is kind of one of those things. A lot of them don't measure up to the Spartan and the difficulty, I guess. This terrain race that I actually did, cause I've done two terrain races this year. I did one in Monroe that it was at a, a race car track. So it was flat. There was nothing. It was like, eh, yay, but it was still fun, but it wasn't really that difficult. The one they had this last weekend in Olympia, my calves still hurt. Yeah, I still have yet to do a train race. And yeah. I've heard positive things about that, that's for sure. And I've heard they're getting better. I, I actually talked to JP, who is the race director, one of the race directors for them, a couple times. And they're growing a lot. They're they're hiring. I know there's a couple beasts that are going to be working for them soon. And okay. uh, they're, they're hiring more people and trying to really make a run at making terrain race a, a competitive good race so right. i think we're going to see some good things out of them and then the coming you know coming year so it's exciting too i feel like most of these are stemming from the east coast like i think it's savage race is only yeah. on the east coast and um Frog is over yep. there uh, it's nice that the pacific northwest is finally getting recognized i mean I, th- I mean, we're biased, obviously, we live over here, but we have so much land that's hilly and sunny and rainy and cold and hot that I think over here is probably some of the best terrain as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, and that was one of the things actually that made me really happy with the terrain this weekend, as I've mentioned it multiple times, that I don't think any of the race companies have really used Washington for what they could. I mean, we have um, mountains. How, how yeah. do we not have hilly races? I mean, we have so many flat races. And this terrain race, it was, it, there, there was hills, a lot of hills. Um, well, so. I think Seattle is great. It's a 
it's more accessible, and I know they try to make it near airports and such, and but I really think they should go central, if not yes. eastern Washington, 100%. I've mentioned that so many times, because part of it, too, would be the fun of you get all these people that are traveling from the East Coast or whatever that decide, hey, I'm going to go to a race in Washington. It's going to be wet and rainy and whatever, and then you go to the East Side, and it's a desert. Right. Nobody realizes that the east side of Washington is actually a desert. So, right. you know, and they have some great places. I was in Yakima a couple of weeks ago and saw, you know, just looking at those hills and the, they could have such amazing races out there. Right. So they definitely have to do, look at the, the central and eastern Washington. Yeah, even Oregon too. I mean, we're pretty underrepresented. Yeah. Um, our Portland Sprint, and I put that in little bunny ears. That's really washable. Yeah. Um, yeah, Oregon, we're hilly over here. I don't understand. I mean, a lot of it has been burnt down recently and a lot of that. But, man, if we did something like in the gorge, the other side, the Oregon oh, yeah. side of Washougal, that would be amazing. Oh, it would be. And, I mean, they, they just completely yeah. – but, you know, like you said, they try and stay close to an airport, I guess. But Right. But, I mean, even the, the, the Vegas race, it's an hour and a half outside of Vegas. Right. That's why I went technically in Vegas. <laughs> yeah, it's in Arizona. Yeah. And every year when I go, I stay in St. George, Utah, because it's closer than anywhere else. Right. You know, and it's, I really think they need to, they definitely need to do a Washington one. And I mean, you can go Eastern Washington and I mean, you can fly into Spokane. There's an airport. Right. <laughs> so yeah, definitely. I'd love to see a race over there. Um, yeah. So we're we've actually been on here a bit. So, um, <laughs> did you have anything anything else you wanted to say to the listeners or let them know? Or um, no, I just hope to see everyone soon. I feel like I've been kind of MIA on the East Coast these past few months, oh. <laughs> and I'm excited to see everyone at the Portland Sprint. I know that's always such a good race. It is, and uh, hopefully, I, I get to meet you there. Um, like I said, thank you for, for coming on this episode with me. Like I said, you were the first person to be requested to be awesome. on an episode. So there was a few people, I think Joe Loomis and a couple others that were like, you need to get her on VSNet after you finish the, <laughs> the death race. So it, it, congrats on the death race. I That's amazing. Thanks. I'm still trying to process it. It kind of, yeah, it's still, I stare at my skull every day, but still surreal <laughs> well and it's one of those things like you you know you said i mean you know basically 65 people actually like st- went from that first checkpoint and only right. 12 people walked away with that school yeah. i mean that is that and puts four of them were women too which yeah. is pretty badass that is pretty badass and i mean uh, that's that's just amazing that shows the grit that you have i mean you know there's 48 other people 40 something other people that didn't have that that you did so that's amazing so congrats on that and uh once again thank you for being on the podcast and i hope to see you soon sounds great thank you all right thank you Bye. bye thanks for listening to the beast net podcast brought to you by beast ocr don't forget to subscribe and let us know what you think and what you'd like to hear. You can find us on Facebook or at beastocr.com.